If by some miracle you're listening to this, that could either mean one of two things. Either we made it out, or I'm long gone by now. Whichever it is, my name is Jesse, and this is my story. This thing really does work. I knew it would. Thank you, Matt Blue House on Maplewood Street. I, uh, I found this tape recorder in a Reebok shoebox under a stack of developed pictures of the family that I imagined once lived here. Birthday parties, Christmas Day outfits, Little League baseball games, they were all there. It was like a portal into the lives that once took place in this very house that I was now scavenging through for food and weapons of any sorts or really for anything that could be useful for us out on the road. That was my problem. My problem was that I was always afraid to leave something behind and realize days, or even months later, that we could have used it. So I slowly started to realize our little mobile base camp was becoming less of a place only for the necessities, and more of a junkyard. So one night after we settled in, behind an old abandoned elementary school tucked deep into the yard, I was told that I had to start leaving all the garbage behind, and only keep what we really needed. It was kind of becoming a little too cramped in there for us, so I reluctantly agreed. She always was the one to keep me in check like that, and to keep wherever we lived spick and span. She balanced me out in that way, I guess. But when I was almost done cleaning, I found this old tape recorder that I found months ago in that matte blue house on Maplewood Street. And I just could not get rid of it. Yeah, she gave me a little fuss about keeping it. So I retaliated with, I'm gonna use it, I'm serious. Maybe that's why I'm finally recording myself. Maybe I've always wanted to. Maybe I'm afraid to face the truth that I'm just talking to myself here and I know that. But nowadays, living the way we are, and believe me, we're some of the lucky ones. People will do just about anything to keep themselves entertained and sharp. Okay, I'm rambling. I guess I really wasn't prepared to use this thing. I guess I should take you back and give you a recap on what's going on and what happened to the world and, and who we are. Well, here it goes, I guess. The others are asleep and it's well-deserved, believe me. They need it. I'm happy they're good sleepers. I wish I could say the same thing about myself, but oh well. So 31 months ago, the world was introduced to Trovic, a virus that we were all too busy to pay attention to. The world was so invested in themselves, in their job, and in social media to care about it. And I don't know if I blame them. It seemed like it was a concern for only the people halfway across the world, not us. It just wasn't an immediate threat to Americans, and we had the internet as a security blanket. We all stayed protected from reality for so long from behind a screen 
that unless it threatened our likes, or our favorites, or our internet connection, we barely paid it any mind. Well, that didn't go very well, to say the least. Then it started to get bad. Bad enough to track the death numbers on, well, another computer screen. It quickly became worldwide from how accessible travel is in today's world. The virus is so contagious that all it takes is one person to spread it to anybody they come in contact with, without limit. The problem is, nobody felt sick for a couple weeks before getting what most described as just this flu on steroids. At first, it was really only killing people who had underlying medical conditions. And even that made the death toll skyrocket. So many people were dying that the hospitals became maxed out and then some. And they were forced to put all the dead bodies in just semi-trucks that lined the streets. And for the next nine months, everybody had to quarantine in their homes, only allowed to go to the supermarket by appointment and with masks and gloves. Unless you were a nurse or a doctor or a grocer, you were temporarily laid off your job and a third of businesses had to shut their doors permanently. And people lost their minds. I know it doesn't seem like a long time when I tell you that there was a killer virus on everybody's doorstep, but I have to admit, after about the seventh puzzle taking up my kitchen table, it did get pretty old being locked inside 24-7. But now hindsight being 2020, I miss those days. I miss the days I got to watch my newborn son go from a breathing jelly bean to a crawling, babbling formula fiend, to a walking and talking infant who loved playing with his daddy, and cooking crappy, tasteless dinners with my wife as we danced the music videos we played on our TV in our small apartment. I curse myself for ever complaining about being bored or forced to being lazy, because now I would walk through the gates of hell just to be laying on my couch with my family watching the same TV show we've seen four times already, laughing at the same lines. Even though those days seemed like an eternity when we were living through them, they only lasted a total of 14 months. Then things turned. And quick. Just when we were about to come out with a vaccine for Trovic, it mutated and nobody knew it. It got a taste of the vaccine on the test subjects, and quickly manifest itself to ingest the vaccine, almost as if it was like food or something, and used it to become way, way stronger. And that is when shit really hit the fan. People began dying at a much more rapid rate, and it wasn't just statistics anymore. It was people we all knew, neighbors, family members, friends. There were no more protests about how the government was infringing on people's rights by keeping them locked indoors and forcing them to wear masks. There were no more drive-by birthday parties and waving to your parents through the front windows. There wasn't anything but complete fear of anybody you did not have to live with. People holding on to the glimmer of hope that a new vaccine would come out, one that actually worked this time, and eventually life would go back to normal, other than the inevitable deathly fear of any and all germs and social interactions and all that stuff. If people getting sick and dying by the masses wasn't bad enough, countless others were getting so tweaked on the thought that they may have caught Trovic and just haven't felt the symptoms yet, that they were killing themselves. People were falling all around us, and that's when the next problem started. 
If you haven't figured it out already, allow me. People were freaking out. People thought that this was never going to get any better, so they started looting all the grocery stores. Or really any store for that matter. And when the grocery stores were all emptied out, they targeted the trucks that came to replenish those stores and robbed them blind. Needless to say, truck drivers also swiftly decided to stay home and not get held up over a box of rigatoni and a few jars of red sauce. That meant no more food in grocery stores. So when people didn't ration their food properly, they needed to look elsewhere. And yep, you guessed it. They started breaking into houses and stealing their food. This went dark almost overnight. Then the power would get shut off out of nowhere, and we quickly learned that people were cutting the power to blocks at a time, knowing how little people still reported to work to fix the problem and turn it back on. This allowed them to get in and out of houses much easier in the dark. It took me a week of people breaking into houses to make the executive decision. We're leaving. I called up my closest family to let them know and try to encourage them to come, but nobody thought it was a good idea. Being out there in the streets attempting to drive out of New York to God knows where. I tried my best to convince them, I really did, that together we would be okay. That I don't want my son to miss his grandparents, his uncles, and his cousins, but to no avail. They too tried to convince me to stay. That they were all going to hold up in one house and protect their belongings if it came to it. Well, needless to say... We've been on the road for about 17 months now. That's right, we. Me, my wife, and my son. A band of three. I guess I should introduce myself. My name is Jesse. I am a father, a husband, and an old friend to many. Or none anymore. I'm not too sure how that works now. I'm a young father who is just getting used to being a dad and figuring out all about raising a child and loving someone more than you ever even knew existed when I got faced with doing it during what seems to be the end of human civilization as we know it. They don't teach you that crap in the YouTube videos. I am now 26, my wife Lennon is 25, and our son Bennett is 4. Not even close to 5 yet, brand new to the ways of being 4. Ugh, my big man. If you're trying to crunch those numbers and do the math, that means my then-girlfriend Lennon, or Lenny for short, got pregnant when she was 20 and I was 21. We were out traveling the country in our camper when we landed in the City of Angels, Los Angeles. Yeah, we stayed there for a while to see what all the hype was about, then headed off to Colorado for a while. But before you know it, and six positive pregnancy tests later, we were heading back to New York to tell everybody the news and be back for the birth. Against popular belief, we were both super excited about becoming parents, and that excitement never left, ever. Even in these conditions, and with all this uncertainty, whenever I see that little boy's face in the morning rubbing the crusties out of his eyes heading over to me for his morning bear hug, I thank whoever is in charge of this universe for giving me the thing that makes my life still worth living. Alright, okay, enough of that mushy stuff. I guess I should give you a recap on what happened in these past 17 months and what got us here. Cramped in my gray and black two-tone 40 Econoline van with a twin-sized mattress on the floor in the back, two black leather bucket seats up front, and an old beige junkyard seat right behind the passenger there. 
So, after the failed phone calls with my family members, I sat down with Lenny and talked game plan. I gave us 12 hours to pack everything we could fit into the van and hit the road. Supplies were put into a very strict order of importance, starting with food and water, of course. Everything down to the spices we had in our Lazy Susan cabinet were included. And luckily for us, our desire to do right by Mother Nature and recycle met with our terrible ability to remember on what day of the week the recyclables should go out meant we had plenty of empty milk and juice jugs just sitting in the garage. Now I know what you're thinking, we're not gross people. They were thoroughly cleaned out before being put into that recyclable can, so they're clean. You know, because of the rat problem we had. I'm kidding. We refilled all of them with water along with any sports water bottle and coffee to go mug that we had and packed it all away. Second was tools and protective gear. Any tool that wasn't a power tool and all the hardware I could scavenge up came with us. This also meant the machete that I've had for years, all of the pocket knives I've collected, and one rusty fish fillet knife. Next was enough clothes for each of us to get through whatever weather and terrain we were about to blindly experience. Following that was our comfort items like pillows and all of the blankets we had. And seeing as we didn't have enough room to take our queen-size mattress into the van, we opted just to take Bennett's twin mattress. I mean, it was brand new and at least he'll get to sleep on something comfortable, right? As all of that was packed up as neatly as we can get it, I did one more sweep for making sure I didn't skip anything. And I am sure glad I did. Because I came across an old tote that had three blue tarps in them, still in the package. Man, I love free hardware store giveaways. And all I had to do was spend $75 or more each time. See, what Lenny never understood was that I was going to spend that money anyway. And I might as well get free stuff too. And all of the stuff that I was there to buy wasn't just for me. Let's get that straight. It was just stuff for the apartment, which was hers as well. So I don't get why she thinks that I was just there to spend money. She always complained about the bathroom door squeaking. So on one of those trips, I picked up some WD-40 to fix the squeak. And between me and you, I am so happy I did that because I was not prepared for how many times she would have to wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom after Ben was born. And like I said, small apartment. Okay, okay, I'm rambling again. Back to what I was saying. So with the van packed, we wasted no more time and we hit the road with no destination other than get out of New York. It's just, it's too populated here. I had three quarters of a tank of gas and that should get us just far enough west so we could stop and get gas where it's safe. Oh, and how could I forget to mention the gas cans? I grabbed two gas cans from the garage that I had and both were empty. But at our first gas stop, I'll fill everything up to the top and hit the road again. Alright, cut me a break. This was 17 months ago. I can't remember everything. Once we hit the road, we didn't stop for almost two days straight. We stayed in a straight line heading west, right across the northeast. For a while there, maybe a week or so, gas stations still had gas and were operational. Then the signs started popping up more and more. Out of gas. And let me tell you, that is a terrifying thing to start seeing. I had two jerry cans of gas strapped to the back of the van and a full tank. But once we hit the last sicko station, somewhere around the middle of Ohio maybe? It was time to start getting into the survival mindset, and that meant now. From here on out, it was my family first, and I'm sorry for anybody that gets shortchanged as a result. 
I dug through my old tool selection and found my siphon that I had from about 10 years back when I used to mow lawns just to make enough money to buy some high school girlfriend's presents. This was the first tool that I could not thank God enough for. At this point, things just went full-on survival of the fittest, full-on every man for themselves. And that was chaos. It was about at that time that we started seeing actual killings over possessions. Bodies just left in the streets. Nobody's much as giving them a second look. And the worst part was I wasn't alone experiencing this. If it wasn't bad enough that Lenny had to see with her own eyes what was happening all around us, the woman who mysteriously loved Grey's Anatomy so much yet had to look away every time she saw a patient with a little bit of blood. If the feeling in the pit of my stomach that her seeing the stuff would never leave her mind again wasn't bad enough, just imagine how I felt having my son in the back seat of my own car. His eyes haven't even seen the normal stresses of everyday life yet. Instead, he's seeing people being robbed, assaulted, and even killed. I didn't know what to do, but I had to think quick. And the only thing that came to my mind was the memory that I must have had stored deep into the forgotten part of my brain. It was the memory of me and my brother in my parents' car, coming back from some family party that we were at, when we got stuck in traffic for what felt like almost an eternity. When we got up to what was causing the backup, before we could even see through the blinding red and blue flashing lights, I remember my father yelling at us to get on the floor of the car face down and not to come up until he said so. So we did. But that's when I overheard my father whisper to my mother that somebody was hit by a car and laying dead in the street. I don't know why that memory popped into my head, but I didn't have time to think of any other plan to avoid my own son seeing something that would presumably haunt his dreams for many years to come. I told him to put his head into his lap and not look up until I told him to. But, like any other four-year-old would do, he asked why about four times before I had to yell at him to do what I was telling him to do. I knew this wasn't a permanent solution. But I had to make a decision on a moment's notice, and that was the only thing that I could think of. And that's how it was for a while. Drive as long as we could on a tank of gas, and when we got down to about a quarter of a tank left, find the nearest abandoned car, or what we thought might be abandoned, and siphon as much gas as they had. Again, I'm sorry if anybody got screwed because of us, because believe me, that was not my intentions at all. But all I could focus on was getting my family as far away from all of the chaos that the big cities and populated areas brought. I was the nice guy in life. I was the guy who was the jack of all trades, and turns out everybody needed help with one thing or another. And I wasn't, let's say, great at saying no. Lenny both loved and hated that about me. At first, I think that might have been one of the things that attracted it to me. The feeling that I was the good guy that always helped everybody out and put my own self on the back burner. I think she found that selflessness attractive. But like anything else, after years of being together, I saw that it started to bother her. Especially after Ben was born. See, when people want something, they become impulsive and want it right away before even realizing that they can't do it themselves. But nowadays, people are impulsive. And if you want something, minimal thought goes into it, and they just act. We could thank the internet for that too. If you ever had a question, 
that you didn't have an answer to, what do you do? You go to the computer or your phone and just Google it. That's instant gratification for problems that require minimal effort. And that's where I came in, apparently. People were always asking for me to help with one thing or another, and I just couldn't say no. It was the problem I've always had, which meant I was constantly getting pulled somewhere and leaving the baby with Lenny. And as always, I would promise I'll be as quick as possible. Two hours max. Four hours later, I would come in the door and would be eating dinner late again. I can't say I blame her either. She would never really get annoyed at me, just in general. Or quietly annoyed at the people constantly asking for help, but she kept that to herself. She's amazing like that. She always puts up with me. And I'm... I've always... Well, I'm lucky to have her, okay? But back to what I was saying. I really did feel bad if I was hurting anybody along our way, but I had to compartmentalize those feelings. We made it all the way to the southern border of South Dakota this way. I always planned on taking my little family on an adventurous, action-packed cross-country trip one summer while Ben was off from school. In fact, I dreamt about it showing him all the cool things America had to offer, hitting as many amusement parks as we could all around the country, and letting him feel the freedom of the open road. But this? No, this is not what I imagined. This is not what I drew up in my head. We must have traveled almost half a week not seeing a single soul, so we decided it was time to stop running and post up for a little while. We talked about stopping for about 250 miles before actually deciding to do so. We had to all feel safe, that was the agreement. And what finally made our minds up was a huge river right in front of our eyes. And nothing as much as the sound of trillions of water gushing through the riverbed was as far as the ear could hear. It was settled. Let's get to settling. There were some scattered houses that were almost certainly abandoned a ways back. A few small towns we passed through maybe 25 minutes ago. And other than that, just the sound of this riverbed. This was supposed to be just the place to take some days off and get some rest before we decided what we would do more long-term speaking. And besides, Ben was starting to get real cooped up. I think we all were. We made our way off the road and carefully down to the riverside and found our perfect little spot nestled in some low-hanging willow trees. Perfect to provide coverage for many passerbys. And it felt... incredible. It smelt incredible. The air was incredible. So clean, so free of all the toxins that New York had. What we were all just so used to in our everyday life. We didn't even know that there was a thing of better air out there. And that was it. This was home, so to speak. The first few days were spent just organizing the van and getting it all set up for us to sleep and live out of comfortably. You know, food in this corner, the mattress in the back pushed along the side, leaving at least a little bit of space for Lenny and I to get some sleep as well clothes in the other corner neatly put into the bins that we brought them in. We stayed busy doing anything that we can to make this area next to this river home, or of sorts, and that kept our minds occupied for a while. 
Then the real world emotions started to set in for all of us. We were alone, and we just witnessed some of the worst chain of events the world has ever seen. Spirits were at an all-time low, and I was desperate to pick them up again. I had to shake my own fears aside and give us a purpose. Yeah, we had a lot of food, and that's fine for now, but if we don't start looking for other sources, that's gonna go quick. There it was. That's my purpose. We have this river at our disposal, so let's use it. I used to love going fishing with my father when I was younger, even though it was rare. And if this boy is anything like me, we can make it fun. We can add a competitive edge to fishing, so it's less of a chore and more of a game. I was practically running out of the van to go back into the small towns that we passed to go scavenge some fishing rods and tackle. That's when Lenny stepped in and snapped me right back into reality. We don't have a plan for scavenging yet. We haven't had to do anything other than pull up to an abandoned car and siphon some gas. This was different. This required us to make a trip into town, leave the van, and break into a place not knowing what's behind those doors. And this trip, this trip would change everything. You're still up? Come on, it's time to go to bed.